Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew, the book of Matthew. We're going to be looking at chapter 23 in your Bibles. Matthew chapter 23. Join with me in prayer if you would. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we thank You so much for Your Holy Word and we thank You for uh, the blessings of all that You give us. Lord, I, I just pray that You would move within us. Lord, that You would strengthen us by Your Holy Word. Lord, that we would be sensitive to the movement of Your Spirit. Lord, that we'd hear You and abide by Your Word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today I would like for you to look with me in in the book of Matthew, chapter 23. This is a passage of Scripture that, that... is in the middle of some of the teachings of Jesus. And if you're like me, I carry a red letter Bible, so there's a lot of red letters right there. If you're not aware of that, that's all the things that Jesus said. So Matthew groups a lot of these sayings of Jesus and encounters that Jesus has had. And this is set up really by the encounters that uh, Jesus has in chapter 22 where Matthew details a contentious relationship that Jesus has with the Pharisees. Now, if you are unfamiliar of who the Pharisees are, just as a reminder, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, uh, they both made up uh, what are known as the Sanhedrin. These are the people that were experts in the law. And when I say the law, I'm not talking about the law that says you can't drive through an intersection that has a stop sign, just ignoring the stop sign and not stop. Or the law that says you're supposed to follow the the guidelines of the speed limit or the law that says you're not supposed to uh, to shoot someone or to steal from the bank or whatever other law it might be that you're talking about. But when I say the law, I'm talking about the law of Moses. And when we talk about the law of Moses, we're talking about really all of Scripture and most of the life of the Israelite was would centered around the relationship that Israel has with God. Wouldn't that be wonderful if that was our focus as a nation? Wouldn't it just just for a moment think about what it would be like if our nation's focus was simply on having a relationship with, with God, having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, for the Israelites, that meant at that time they didn't have uh, Jesus in their life. They didn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and God didn't, hadn't, hadn't uh, appointed the time for Jesus to arrive on the scene at that time when the nation of Israel began. So the relationship that God had with Israel was begun with delivering them from bondage and slavery in Egypt and that that movement of a million plus people from Egypt to the land that God had promised Abraham uh, back when God uh, 
pulled out Abraham from all the peoples of the, of the world and said to Abraham, Look, Abraham, you've believed in me and I'm going to make you into a nation. I'm going to make you into a great people and I'm going to give you all this land where um, Abraham was standing. And, and that's currently where the nation of Israel is. And that's why it's so important for Israel to have a nation is because of that, uh, that, that promise that God made to Abraham. And God was fulfilling that promise in the lives of His uh, descendants, His uh, people that inherited His, his uh, promise from God. And uh, But that meant that they had to be taken out of uh, Egypt where they were currently living. And they, they, you remember they were down in Egypt not because they had wandered off, but because God caused a great famine. God moved Joseph down there, one of uh, Abraham's sons, uh, 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 one of Jacob's sons uh, that became Israel. You know, you have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. One of those sons was... Joseph Joseph was singled out by his brothers and they didn't like how God, uh, God was speaking to him in dreams and, and Joseph didn't understand. He was kind of immature and so he kind of boasted about it and that kind of got their feathers ruffled and so they said, well, let's get rid of him. They were going to kill him, but then one of their brothers, Reuben, said, no, let's not kill him. Let's just sell him into slavery. And uh, he was intending to go back later and, and rescue Joseph, but he didn't. So uh, Joseph got actually sold into slavery. Joseph was taken down to Egypt and sold there uh, to a man named Potiphar. And, and he was down there with, uh, in Egypt. And he, Joseph went through a long period of time of God preparing him. And God finally established him and made him to be second in command of all of Egypt. And then God said to Pharaoh, you're going to have great famine and, and there's going to be all this famine and, and it's not going to just be Egypt, it's going to be all of the world. And Joseph uh, was tapped to take care of, of all of the arrangements so that there would be food. And that was God providing for His people, the Israelites, without them being aware of it because uh, God was using Joseph to do that and, and that's how they wound up down in Egypt. God reunited Joseph with his family. All of his family moved down to Egypt where there was still food, where he was in control. They began to flourish. God began to multiply them. The Egyptians got scared and uh, so they made them slaves and that's how they wound up as slaves because it was way after Joseph's uh, death and they'd forgotten all about what Joseph had done for the people of Egypt and everywhere else uh, and so they enslaved them <clears throat> So that's how they became slaves. And, and all of that kind of encompasses about 500 years of, of history. And so that's a long time for them to forget and all that kind of stuff. And so Joseph is then uh, not on the scene, but his descendants and, and all the other descendants of Israel are there in Egypt. And God says, it's time. Now's the time to move out. And so we're going to, I'm going to deliver you and, and take you back to where I promised you to go. And so God's relationship with the people of Israel was to move them from being slaves 
to being free and followers of God. And you know that's exactly what God does with us as Christians. When God comes to us and and calls upon our heart and we respond to the call of God, God sets us free from the slavery of sin and He begins to mold and shape us into being a follower of God, a follower of Jesus Christ. And, And that's what happens when you become a Christian. When you accept Jesus into your heart and life, you're not just simply supposed to sit back there on a pew and just wait for God to take you home. No, you've got a period of time that you have to mature and develop as a Christian. And that's what the Israelites did as they went through the wilderness. And that's a lot of times what we're called upon to do as Christians is to mature. And the problem is, is that some of us refuse to mature. God established all these rules for the Israelites to help them to understand how they were supposed to live. He told them how to worship. He told them how to uh, to uh, honor God. And, and a lot of that was because they had been around all these Egyptian gods and they had seen all these other ways of worshiping other gods. And God said, I'm not like these other gods in Egypt. In fact, the plagues were done in such a way to, to demonstrate God's power over all these other gods and that He's the only one true God. But they had to learn how to worship God. They had to understand that God was, was pure, that God was righteous, that God was holy. And they had to understand that. And so God put within the practice of worship all these things that would demonstrate His holiness and how we don't just simply approach God with sin all over our lives, but that we we ought to approach God with holiness. And so God was using that practice of worship as a way of of molding and making them, shaping them into be the people that they're supposed to be. There was a group, that group though, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they thought they had it all figured out. Okay, I've gone about a thousand years now. All of these, uh, all of those practices were to help Christ, uh, help the followers, uh, the people of Israel, to follow God and learn how to follow God. But there was that group of Sanhedrin that thought they understood and knew how to do it all, and so as a result. All the things that God had established, all these rules and ways of worshiping, you're supposed to do this and you're supposed to do that. You're supposed to offer things, offering this way and that way. All of those things made no sense to them. They thought they knew it all. They thought they were already holy. You see, that's the problem. They they had put upon themselves a... A mindset of the fact that because they knew the law, knew what the words meant and what the words said, that a lot of times they felt as if they had it covered. We got you, is what they said in their mind. We got it, God. We're holy, and all of this stuff that we're teaching is we're trying to teach all these other people how they're supposed to be holy, but don't look at us. We're holy already. And that caused a great rift between Jesus and the Pharisees. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, had a difficult time with Jesus because Jesus was coming in and He was saying, you've got it wrong. You're just following the letter of the law, but you don't understand the heart of the law. You're following the rules set out and you've changed the rules 
from what God wanted them to say to His people. You've followed these things in your own power and your own strength rather than relying upon God. You've followed them in such a way that you don't even realize you need a Savior. And so Jesus was pointing that out and that ruffled their feathers. Ooh, let me tell you, it caused them not to feel good. It caused them to not like Jesus at all. And in fact, in chapter 22 of Matthew, it tells about how the the Sanhedrin would meet and they would talk about how they could trap Jesus in His own words, trap Jesus in the things that He would say. And they would ask questions of Jesus, trying to, to get Him to say things that would cause people not to follow after Jesus. They not only was Jesus, uh, it was like, you know, uh, have you ever tried to rub a cat and rub it the wrong way? Rubbing it from the tail to its head instead of its head down to its tail? Cats don't like that. They don't like that at all. And neither do people. People don't like to be rubbed the wrong way. And, and Jesus was rubbing them the wrong way because they, Jesus was not following into their traps. And, and, and so Jesus was trying to teach them the right way, the right things to do. And so that's where we pick up here. That was a thousand years of history just to pick up where we are. That's why Jesus had this contention with the, Israel, uh, with the Pharisees and the Sadducees is because they were not living like they were supposed to live. They, these were the teachers and they were doing everything wrong. And here, here they were, they were standing up teaching others how they, should follow G, how they should follow God. And Jesus was saying, look, you're not following God yourselves. How is it that you're telling others how to do this if you can't do it yourself? And so that's why Jesus was, was in this contentious relationship with them. And beginning in chapter 23, Jesus goes through a series of uh, teachings to these religious teachers and He's talking to them and He begins to tell them uh, all the things that that they're doing wrong. And He, he begins in chapter, uh, verse 13, He says, "'Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you're hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men for ye neither go in yourselves neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in woe unto you scribes and Pharisees hypocrites for ye devour widows houses and for a a pretense make long prayer therefore ye shall receive the greater uh, damnation woe unto you scribes and And he he just keeps going on and on saying woe to you and he describes all the things that they're doing they're taking uh, they're making it difficult for people to follow after they delighted in making rules that made it hard for people to come to God. God was not trying to make things hard for them when He established the laws that people should follow. He wasn't trying to make it hard for for the people of Israel to follow after God and to understand their relationship to God. God was setting boundaries 
And God was establishing ways of understanding that He's holy, we're not, so we need to try and be holy with God and understanding that we could get only so far and if we were to get all the way into a relationship with Him, we needed someone else to come in and to help us. And that was Jesus Christ, a Savior, one who would come and wipe away all the transgressions, all the things that we had done wrong. But the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were teaching that, hey, you can get all the way with God. You can do all these things. These laws you can't handle. Here's a bunch of other laws. If you follow all of them, then you'll be able to, you'll in essence be following these laws and you'll be able to get to God. And Jesus said, no, 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 it's not that way. You can't, you don't understand. You're not following the and and the Pharisees and the Sadducees they were also making they were uh, punishing people that they were supposed to be ministering to they were making life miserable for people that they were supposed to be helping they were doing all of these things and he says look you're doing it all just for to be able to grandstand and be able to show how holy you are when in, when you're really not holy and Jesus boils it all down in uh, when we get in chapter 3 and he says uh, in this chapter he says woe unto you Pharisee he says look you're hypocrites you're doing all of these things he says, Woe in, verse 25, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you're hypocrites, for you may clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind, uh, blind Pharisees, cleanse first that which is in the cup and the platter. Thou, the outside of them may be clean also, Woe unto you, uh, scribes and Pharisees, for you are like unto whitened sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of the unclean. Even so, you are also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity." Now, I want to bring this down home to us today. We're not scribes and Pharisees. We're not children of Israel. We're people living in the 21st century. We're people living in the United States. We're good Christian people that are here on a Sunday morning. And that encompasses a lot of people, if we think about it, not just those of us who are here today, but people that are all in all the churches around us and all the churches uh, in our state and in our, in our country. We've got a lot of good Christian folks that, that think of themselves as good Christian people. A lot of good folks that pat themselves on the back and say, look at me, I made it to church on Sunday morning. And I'll be extra good. I'll go to church Sunday night. And if I think I'm really holy, I'll be there on Wednesday night too. And we think our, our mere attendance in church is making us to be the holy people that God wants us to be. You see, we can be just like these Pharisees. We can get all dressed up in our suits and ties and our nice dresses 
on and we can come to church and there's a lot of people that may not make it to church every week but they might make it for Easter and Mother's Day and Father's Day well they're not there as much on Father's Day fathers don't count as much as mothers but you know you know it's true we don't have nearly as many people here on Father's Day as we do Mother's Day but you know we'll have some that'll come <coughs> Excuse me. And some people will be uh, at church on Christmas because, well, that's Christmas and everybody's got to go to church at Christmas time just like everybody's supposed to go to church at Easter. But And they'll get all cleaned up and they'll make sure that the youngins have their, their faces washed and they'll make sure to get behind the ears and they'll get, make sure that the kids brush their teeth good and they're in their Sunday finest and that they're in their nice clothes and they've done all of that and they finally wind up in church and they're sitting there and saying, look at us. We've gotten all cleaned up and dudded up and we're here in church. We're good people because we're clean. That's just like the Pharisees here. Jesus said, look, you can do all you want to to clean yourself on the outside. You cleanse yourself as much as you can. You've cleaned up and you've got all the right clothes on. you got all the... You're doing... And, and really for the Pharisees and the Sadducees, Jesus was saying, look, you're doing all the right things that you think are what God wants you to do. You're, uh, for them, they had these phylacteries that they had put on their head, forehead or on their hand and that was basically just a fancy word for a box that had a wrapping that would go around their wrist or around their head and it was to keep a passage of scripture that said uh, uh, that was uh, a promise of God that they kept in there and it was supposed to remind them to remember that they were God's people they would have on the right robes and they'd have their hair the right way and the men would have these uh, these uh, their hair done a certain way. They'd have their beards and they'd have the hats on and they would have the robes on and they had the prayer shawl on and they made sure their prayer shawl went all the way down to the floor because boy, you're holy if you got uh, tassels that go all the way down to the floor and you're just a novice. You're just a beginner if you have just a regular prayer shawl on and a, and a, and the cords only go so far. But So they'd make sure their cords went all the way to the floor and they would make sure they were sitting there and, and they were praying right. And you see them sometimes if you uh, see pictures and, and TV shots of Israel, especially of the Wailing Wall there, uh, they kind of do a lot of the same things they used to do way back then. They'd go to the uh, in, in the temple, but now there's no temple, so they go to the Wailing Wall and you see those images of those men in all black and they've got their prayer shawls on and they're going back and forth like this. You've seen them do that? You've seen them? And they're and what they're doing is they're praying and they're letting everybody around them know they're praying because they're going like this. You know, you can pray. I pray all the time. I never go like that. I never rock back and forth. But they do it so everybody knows they're praying. Well, we do the same kind of things here in this church. Oh, Lord, Thou art Thee and Thou... When, who who of you say uh, sit around your kitchen table saying, uh, "Dear child, will thou st- pass the the bowl of green beans towards me?" You know, do you speak like that in, in King James English? No. So why do you pray to God that way? God's not stuck in sixteen eleven. God doesn't pray with in King James version. God prays to you in your heart. 
But we do the same things. We want to make sure everybody knows that we're good Christian people. By uh, when we pray, we pray in King James Version only, you know, and and we do all those things to let everybody know what we're holy, we're pre- you're, we're clean, we're good people. And what Jesus was saying to them is, "Woe unto you! Why?" Because you're hypocrites. He says it over and over and over and over again. Woe unto you, you hypocrites. Why? Because they're doing all these things. And this this is all the dirt that Jesus is digging up about them. He's saying you're doing this and you're doing that. You're doing this. You're doing all these things and it's wrong. It's wrong. You're not listening. He says you're a hypocrite because you're pretending to be holy and clean and pure when you're dirty all inside. And he says you're just like a, a, a somebody who cleans a bowl. And you can you imagine the bowl that you used this morning? to eat your cereal in and when you went to wash it you just washed the bottom of it and you put it back in the cabinet to use the next time no you want it clean on the inside where all the food was and where you're going to put the food the next time he says you're dirty like somebody who forgot to clean the inside he says you're dirty like whitewashed graves he says you've painted the the outside of the sepulcher you've paid you painted the the headstone nice white and everything but inside it's rotting bones why because they have sin and he says it's woe unto you why because you're not seeing it that's why he's saying woe to them because he's saying look you're a hypocrite you're dirty inside and you refuse to see it and guess what there's a lot of Christians that are that way today there's a lot of Christians that go to church. They got all cleaned up and dooted up. They all, they're sitting in church this Sunday morning and they're thinking, I'm great with God. I'm good with God because I'm where I'm supposed to be. And inside, they, they're still thinking about all the things that they did last night, all the things that they did uh, that they don't want everybody else in the church to know about, all the things that they did, and they're doing, and, and they're planning tomorrow to do the very same things, or tonight to do the very same things when it gets dark, when there's no one around, deep down, dark in their in their in their minds and in their hearts, they know they're going to go back to these things. Whether it's alcohol, drugs, whether it's pornography, whether it's stealing, whether it's cursing, whether it's any of these things, anger, we hide all these things and the, and the dirty little secret is, is that everybody knows. But when we get up on Sunday morning, we try and pretend everything's good with me Isn't it amazing how everybody in church is all saved and right with God and holy with God and isn't it wonderful that we're all sitting here? We're all wondering where the rest of the world is that's uh, depraved and lost and damned to a sinner's hell. The problem is is that we haven't gotten right with God deep down in our hearts for God to then take us and use us to go out and get those people that are depraved and lost. We're still needing cleaning. And and, And Jesus is saying, Woe unto us. Woe unto you. Because you don't even know. You're pretending to be clean and you're not. Woe unto you. You think you're clean 
and you're not. And you don't even realize it. Maybe the reason that God hasn't blessed us with more people in here is because we're not right with Him in our hearts yet to where He can then take us out and get the others who are needing and there are others who are lost. How are we to minister to them when they come in here if we haven't gotten right with God first? How are we to, how are we to minister to those who need Jesus Christ if we're not right with Jesus Christ ourselves? How are we to see God move in other people's lives if we're not willing to let God move in our lives first.